Amen. I, I love Galatians 5, 1, where it says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Like he set you free to be free. Amen. That is, that is the beauty that we have in serving Jesus Christ. We do not serve a weak and a passive king, but a victorious king. He had the ability not to just raise himself, but to also set us all free. And we were in bondage. Like, you, you, you know, people rejoice over being free when they realize how deep in bondage they really were. Amen. But we have good freedom in Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to Epiphany Church, our first uh, of three gatherings I, I'm excited to be here. I don't know about y'all, but I'm coming off of the heels of a very uh, thankful week. Uh, I don't know how many of you got rest. How many were off at least one day this week? One day this week. Amen. Well, I've been off all week, and I've been resting, and I've been eating, and I've been eating, and I've been eating. Uh, but it, it's, been, it's been a good week of being able to pray, reflect. I got a lot of reading done. Got a lot of sleeping done, which I typically don't. I don't do. I typically don't take naps. But for some reason this week was the itis just kicked in in a way I just can't explain. Some of y'all don't know what that is. Google that. Uh, anyway, it's just been a really restful week. But I'm excited to be here, gathered with you, gathered with God's people, uh, and it's a very exciting Sunday for us. Uh, really, a, a um, it's a it's it's a moment in our church that we haven't experienced yet, and I'll explain that in a second. If you've been a part of our church for any amount of time, if you go back to when we first started the church, and some of you weren't here when we first started, but when we first started the church, uh, May 26, 2015, we did our first vision night, and we did another one in June. Vision night was a time when we gathered people uh, together, and we, we, um, we used that moment to answer questions and cast vision, and there was a, four, a few core convictions that we talked about that night, and those core convictions uh, were re really the pillar of our church, and we haven't swayed, we haven't moved since then. We wanted to talk about the centrality of Jesus Christ. We are still talking about the centrality of Jesus Christ. We want to talk about community, and we wanted to talk about how we love the scriptures and how we wanted to make sure the church was being built on the scriptures. But one of the things we talked about that night was this idea of, um, of the Lord's uh, guidance within eldership within a church. And for so long, I've been the only pastor. You guys have heard me talk about how we believe in dual eldership, which means uh, one person making other decisions. Uh, it's just not healthy. It's not the way the Lord intended for the church. If you read the New Testament multiple times, like Acts 19, Acts 14, multiple times, uh, the Bible will say uh, elders plural, and it'll say church singular, meaning that there were more than one elder or slash pastor synonymous for us here more than one at each local church. And so we believe in dual eldership, but if you guys have watched how we've operated, uh, I've been the only pastor for so long. Well, I'm excited today because uh, I am going to present to you one elder candidate this morning. And an elder candidate just means he's not, we're not ordaining him today as an elder, but we will present him to you for, uh, for the next six months and we'll just continue to watch that person and then at the end of the six months, which will be May from now, uh, at, the, at the end of the six months, we will put him be back before you and we will ordain him as a full-fledged elder. And we, I also believe that he's not the only one. We believe that there will be more elders, but uh, that just takes time. The Bible says never lay hands hastily. You don't want to move that process too quickly. You want, that, you want it to, to soak a little bit. Uh, when I think about uh, Paul being knocked off his horse in Acts chapter 9, and I think about the fact that hands weren't laid on him until Acts chapter 13. 
in, in between that time, there's, there's a time of, of training and development. So we'll do that for six months. And um, let me read a couple of things really, really quickly. Uh, let me first read what is described as the qualifications of an elder. Uh, qualifications, I don't even think they're qualifications. Qualifications almost sounds like a, a job description. It's not a job description. This is more of, of characteristics. Uh, in fact, it's so much more of characteristics that only one takes skill. The rest of them is all character. This is what it says, First uh, Timothy 3. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, that's elder slash pastor, it's all synonymous, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation, the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Let me read one more passage. First Peter chapter 5 will say it this way. Here, here's the responsibility of everyone who assumes the role of a pastor. It says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. For when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourself Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Uh, and so th this morning, I want to present someone to you. Uh, I'm going to invite up Timmy and Ayo. Come on up. Y'all make some noise. Let's stand right here. Turn this way. Let me have that. Let me have this. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Turn, turn around. I'm going to present uh, Timmy and Ayo to you. Timmy is... Uh, going to be uh, what we would call a pastor candidate or an elder candidate for the next six months. Uh, here's the responsibility I want to lay on, on you guys as the church. Uh, there might be areas that I don't know that I don't see about Timmy that you might know. I've already met with Io. Uh, you, you know, when 1 Timothy 3 says you must manage your own household well, he could never pastor here if he doesn't lead his wife well. So I sat down with Io and said, How, how's he doing? Do, do we need to put him in a chokehold? <laughs> She said he's all right. She said he's okay. But there might be areas that she doesn't know, that I don't know, that maybe you, I mean, maybe you were walking down the street and you saw Timmy slap an old lady while he was smoking weed. I don't know. We don't know that, but you might know that. And what, what we were going to ask is, it's comical, but what we're going to ask is for the next six months, if there's anything that you guys know that is disqualifying for him to be an elder, we would ask that you would come to myself and please uh, present that to me. But if we hear nothing else for the next six months and we continue to observe and he continues to move in the right direction, we will uh, move him forward. Is that all right? Let me invite the deacons up. If you guys could come up pretty, pretty quickly.
I'm also not preaching today. When I say I was resting this week, I got to rest to the point where Timmy is preaching today as well. You guys move on over. All right, you guys point your hands this way. Lord, uh, Lord, we, we take this moment so seriously. We, we do not take this lightly. I realize, Lord, that your church is a serious responsibility. And over, being an overseer, being, being a pastor, being an elder is not something that we should walk into lightly. We, we, don't, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't look and, and inspire to the office because we have nothing else better to do. We do this because we're called to it. And Lord, there, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of loneliness that comes with it. But Lord, at the end of the day, we, it is a joy to serve your church. And Lord, we can do it with confidence because we realize that at the end of the day, we're not the shepherds of the church. You are the chief shepherd. We just follow your instructions and we follow your guidance and we follow your leading. And Lord, we do it to the best of our ability. Timmy will make mistakes. Timmy will have ups and downs. Aya will make mistakes and she will have ups and downs. But Lord, would you sustain this couple would you protect this couple, protect them from the schemes of the devil? The devil will try to sift them out as men sift wheat, put a hedge of protection around them. Lord, we pray for fruitful days. We pray for, for days of correction that they'll have to correct some of us. Pray for days that they'll be able to lead us. We pray for, for many days as he stands behind your pulpit and preaches your word. Would you transform lives and would you, would you open blinded hearts, Lord? Would you do your thing. Father, you love the church way more than we love it. So this church is going to be in good hands, Lord, not because Timmy is getting in place, but because you are never out of place. So, Lord, would you lead him? Would you guide him? And over the next six months, Lord, as he prepares, Lord, you continue to, to, to chip away at his heart, continue to, to, to chip away at pride and build confidence and uh, 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 re remove any areas of being puffed up but, Lord, let them just walk in humility. Lord, I, I love how you said it. You said that you didn't come to be served, but you came to serve. But then you came to give your life as a ransom. Father, we're not giving our life as a ransom, but may he give his all and his everything to this responsibility. So protect them and be with them. Help the church, Lord. Help us all, Lord. Pray that him being in place, oh God, pray that it would strengthen us as we look to make disciples more people to look like you and your son. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all make some noise for Timmy. Yeah, you may be seated. Timmy, I'm going to invite you on up, brother. I also need to quickly mention, uh, and I'll do this really quickly. One of the things that uh, our church wants to, to do is Timmy is not a full-time staff here. He, he has a full-time job, and so we want to do what's called term elders. So meaning he'll, he'll have three years that he'll assume this role as an elder, and at the end of three years, we'll just evaluate to see if it's still a good fit, if he still, if he still, uh, if he still has strength and he still has stamina, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just move on with it for another three years. And uh, I just think that protects him from fatigue. Amen. Y'all make some noise for Timmy as he brings the word. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hey, um, I'm extremely excited to be up here right now. I'm really, really excited. Um, I've been really praying for this church. Um, and in my prayers, God has really pushed the idea of what it really looks like to serve him fully and wholeheartedly. And one of my fears that I have 
with myself and, and, and all the members of the church is that we get complacent, that we don't learn how to serve God fully. But my prayer today is that we are challenged to learn how to serve God and love God in a genuine and a pure way. Um, believe it or not, preaching is really, really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And um, I love Pastor B, and I love um, his, the way that he preaches. He, he has this way of, of taking something really simple, a simple concept from the Bible, and, and then breaking it down in a really complex and comprehensive way. And then he then leaves you with a simple message that just ponders your heart. He did that last week when he, he talked about, uh, he talked about the, I think the title was, You Are Worse Than You Think You Are. It was really sobering. It was like, like a spiritual slap in the face, in, in a good way, in a good way. Because, you know, sometimes as, as children of God, we, we, we don't always need that pat on the back, but sometimes we need a little pow-pow. And my, and my parents in here know what pow-pow is. Yeah. <laughs> We do, and we, we do need to be convicted, and we need to be, um, we, need, we need just the spiritual discipline. Um, so, Pastor B, just, just to give you like an overview, Pastor B, he preached last week. He, he uh, preached out of Genesis 6. Um, Genesis 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of his thought was, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continuously. And we, he talked about a couple things. He talked about that we are not as good as we think we are. We're, we're just not. He, he, he told us that what we do is we, we take our goodness and we compare it to the goodness of our neighbors instead of the righteousness of God. That we, he told us that we're, we're bent towards sin, that we naturally sin, and, and, and that there's nothing that we personally can do to, to, to get us out of that, that iniquity. He, he told us that, that with this sin, our intentions, that like, the, like the verse says, our intentions of our heart are continuously evil. And and. In, in the, I, I think that this that that sermon was such a a great foundation of what I'm going to preach today. It's like the Holy Spirit literally told Pastor B to throw an alley, and 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 I, hopefully um, the Holy Spirit will will help me slam it in. And nothing worse than a missed alley oop. So um, let's let's get into a word. the The title of the sermon today is intentional with our intentions. Um, we're going to be camping out in Matthew 5, verse 21. Let me know when you got there. Y'all there? Not yet? All right, I'll wait a little bit. All right. All right, so Matthew 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said, to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. 
Anyone who insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whosoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this time that we have to dig into your word. We thank you for communing with us through the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we have opportunity to come together as a body to, to, to learn more about you, to understand you. We meet you here needy like young birds with their mouth open waiting for their mother to feed them, O oh Lord. We come, O oh Lord, for not me, not Pastor B, but we come for you, O oh Lord. We come wanting to know how to honor you, wanting to know how to love you, wanting to know how to do your will, O oh Lord. So help us today. Help your people today. We need you, Lord. We pray, O oh Lord. I pray, O oh Lord, that the, the words out of my mouth and the meditation of my heart is pleasing to you, O oh Lord, my Lord, my Redeemer. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen. So um, it was the holiday season, and I actually got a chance to link up with a couple of my old roommates, and uh, we got a time chopping it up, having a good time, and my friend, he actually told me about uh, this dilemma that he was having with this one specific, one specific individual in his group chat. You guys have group chats and you know, there, there's that one person in the group chat just going off, sending mad texts, mad texts, mad texts. With this one individual, that, the, the one individual, the problem with her is that she was a liar. She just lies all the time, like for no reason. I don't know what it is, I don't know why. Maybe she feels like she needs to impress somebody. Maybe she feels like she, she wants to feel better about herself, but she lies for just for no reason. And it, it's, it's, it's the silliest things that she'll lie about. She'll lie about, um, she'll lie about, hey, guess what? I bought a house in Chicago. Oh no, you can't visit that house in Chicago because it's under construction. Oh no, you can't run by the house in Chicago because you know it, um, it's under contract with other people. And no, it's not a good idea. She'll she'll make lies about. Oh, I'm I'm a, I'm a licensed photographer to, for the Met Gala, and they even they even got me a gown. Oh. Oh, sorry, I don't have any pictures from the Met Gala, you know, because I'm, no, I'm under contract and, and uh, you know, I can't give you any of the pictures. And, and by the way, she, she does not do photography professionally, like, <laughs> but she's hired as a photographer at the Met Gala. It's crazy. She, she, she lied about being engaged. She asked Facebook for information about uh, engagement ring insurance about two rings that she bought. She's, apparently she got two rings for her engagement, but she doesn't even have a boyfriend. It, it, it's crazy, like I don't understand why she, why she would lie, but what takes the cake, the, the, the story that takes the cake actually involves another person in the chat. She, she, the, 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 the other friend in the chat, she, she loves fitness, she loves athletics, she loves to run. So she was excited to tell the group chat that she was going to running the DC Marathon, and lo and behold, 
well, we'll call it a storyteller. The storyteller says, oh, that's crazy because I'm going to be running in a DC marathon. And, and my, my roommate said, it, it's like, it's, it, it complained, like, this is crazy. Like, we should just kick her out of the chat at this point. Like, she's just lying, lying all the time. And so my, my friend actually goes down to DC for, for a couple of reasons. One, to support her friend. And two, just to find out if that, if the storyteller is actually going to show up to the, to, to the marathon. And she does show up, and they start the race. And my friend realized that they could monitor the progress of the, the, um, the runners based off their ID that they register with. So he, he monitors the friend that's athletic, and they're, they're, she's running. She's doing really great. She's doing like 11 uh, minutes per mile, which is really, really good for a marathon. And she ultimately makes a great time, you know, as a final time. She, she does awesome. But he goes to the storyteller and logs her in and monitors this time. And shortly after a couple miles, the dot stops. He checks in again. The dot's in the same place. And he, he goes, after the race is done, he goes to, to, the, to the monitor to see what her final time was. And the time says DNF. You guys can assume that it means did not finish. But, but you couldn't tell by her IG. Her IG was lit. Her <laughs> IG was popping. She's at the, at, the, at the finish line. She got all the medals, all the, the marathon swag on, and like with the hashtag uh, marathon complete. We did it. We made it. Knowing well that she probably pulled out her phone, hit that Uber app, and drove her way to the finish line. And I say all that just to say, it's, it's, sometimes it's not how you get to the finish line. No, not that you got to the finish line, but how you got to the finish line. And, and that's how it is with our spiritual walk. Like, a lot of times we focus in on what the finish line looks like in terms of our spiritual maturity. We, fit, we think about what the fruits look like instead of, having the spruits in itself. And this is what, what, what Jesus talks about in, in Matthew 5, um, 21. Let's, let's, let's pull it out. Let's read it again. So before we, we, we read again, I just want to give you a little bit of context. Um, Matthew 5, and I, I just love context. I, give, I love giving context because it shows you the, the who, the what, the why, the how. Uh, it, it gives you uh, an overall bigger picture, and I really think the Lord wants us to get the context when we're, when we're reading the Bible, when we're, when we're studying the Bible, and this is just for you and your, and your alone time and your time with the Lord. The context is so, is so pivotal. Um, he, he really just wants us to explore and be curious about the Word. So the background, this specific text is, is, is regarding, and it comes from uh, the first big block of Jesus' teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus explores, and he, he explores what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. And, and it's this kingdom that's it's an upside-down kingdom. It's an upside-down kingdom where everybody's invited. It's the, the poor, the unpopular, the celebrities, the rich, the sinners, the religious. Everybody's in, invited, but, but they're called to repent and they're called to follow Jesus' teaching. The interesting thing about uh, Jesus' teaching, though, is, is it, it's much different than any teaching that 
anybody would have heard at the time. They said that for you to, to, to be in the kingdom of God, to make it to the kingdom of God, that you would have to, um, you would have to have more righteousness or be more righteous than the Pharisees. And at the time, the Pharisees were the most righteous people. They were the most righteous people. That would be preposterous. They, all they did all day was to study the law. That's, that's their only job. So for them to hear something like that, it, it's crazy. And, and to, for them to see somebody like Jesus talking about the word of God with authority was, was a nuts. But we know that Jesus had the authority to, to talk about the word of God because he made it. We know in Ephesians 1, 6 that all things were made through him, by him. And this, this kingdom and his teachings, he, he, he didn't say that he, he was there to change or contradict the Mosaic laws that they, were, that they already knew, but he, he came there to fulfill it. He came there to fulfill it in his life and his teaching. And, and, and it was clear that before, before Christ, that there was this big disconnect. There was this huge disconnect between God and his people. You could tell, you could tell, like, it, it, it seemed like God's people prior to Christ were so fixated on outward appearance. On the outside, they were perceived to be righteous. They were perceived to look a specific way. But you could tell that in terms of God's standard for the kingdom, they didn't meet it because there, no, there was no heart to obey and there was no love for God. And, and they ultimately just didn't love him. And, and this kind of reminded me of, of a really sad story in, in, in 10th grade about a relationship with, my girl, with, with a girlfriend, an ex-girlfriend. Um, <laughs> ex-girlfriend, I promise. Uh, you know, call me immature, but, you know, I, it, it, it was, I, I, at 10th grade, I was just so heartbroken over this relationship that lasted three weeks. <laughs> Yo, don't, don't get it twisted. Three weeks in high school was a long time. It was a really long time, but... I was just so heartbroken. I really liked this girl, and she broke up with me right before Christmas. And I know, it's sad. And, but I, I, I wanted, I wanted, I, I liked her so much. I wanted, I was like, yo, I, I like her so much. I want to get her a gift, though. I, want, I really want to show her that I care about her. And uh, back in the early 2000s, you know, they, they had this trend where they would do this thing where they put names on, on the belt. Y'all remember that? They would do this thing. And I, I was broke, so I couldn't afford the whole name. So I got, I got, the, I got the, the shortened name. I got, the, I got a short name. Uh, but I, I spent all my money. I bought, the, I bought the gift. I bought the gift, and I gave it to her. And I, and I went to her house, and I get, had the speech prepared. I care about you so much. And I, you know, I bought this gift because you know, you're special to me. And here's the gift. I really hope that we can build a relationship for the future. And she politely took the gift and closed the door. <laughs> Two days later, I found out that she was dating someone else. And it was actually a good friend of mine. I was hurt. I was really hurt. I felt so betrayed. I felt very, very, because I, I really had feelings for her. I really, I really did care about her. But, you know, in, in looking at this, I, f I, I can tell compared to God's grief 
for his people, God grieves us a thousand times more. A thousand times more. God grieves us so much. He, he cares about us so much. He created us. He created things for us. He created things to, to please us. And, and we, we do nothing but grieve him. And his people did nothing but grieve him. And, and they, they might have did things outwardly, but in their hearts, they didn't really love him. So the, amazingly, Jesus comes down and he wants to change all of that. He wants to change all of that. Jesus comes on the scene, and, and he, he, he exposes the hearts of, of God's people, and then he transforms it. Let's see. Um, let's, 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 uh, let's take a look in, uh, in, in verse 21. So... You have heard that it's said to those of old, Jesus referring to the Mosaic law, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to consult. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hells of fire. And, you know, the kingdom of God, it sounds so great, you know, being in the kingdom of God, being connected to, to, to God through Jesus Christ, the idea seems really amazing. But did you hear what he just said? That sounds nuts. Like, on my way to church, driving, I said, you fool, to some of... <laughs> Somebody on the road, because you know New York drivers can't drive. <laughs> a little shade. Um, it's the taxis. I think it's just the taxis. Um, like, I'm already disqualified. I don't know about y'all. Actually, I, I, I do know about some of you guys. You know what I mean? It's, it's everybody. I, who, who can? Stand that test. Who can? Not anger. Not insult. You fool. I grew up in a Nigerian household. You fool was said on a daily basis. <laughs> like, we, 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 we're in this, and, and just we're in this culture, besides Nigerian, we're in a culture that, that insults is a norm. We're birthed in it, and this this kingdom. It's it sounds like it sounds great, but it, it just sounds like unattainable. You know, at the end of, of chapter five, Jesus says, "Therefore, you therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect." Mm. I don't know if that scares me. Because I'm far from perfect. I'm far from a perfect individual. Like, to hear that I have to meet the standard, it's, it's crazy. This, the, you know, the standard of God's kingdom is, is holy because our Father is holy. The, the standard of God's kingdom is righteous because our Father is righteous. The standard of God's kingdom is just because our Father is just. But 
how? How do we meet this? How do we meet this? And, you know, there, there we have good news and we have bad news. I'll start with the bad news. The, the bad news is that the word liable, the word liable, it's, it's a legal term that means you're responsible for. We're responsible to, to if, we're responsible, if we're going to live by the law, we're responsible to, 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 to actually live out the entire law, all of it, the entire law. But the, the bad news is a lot of Christians see that and they use it as a challenge. They use it as a challenge to do better. To, they use it as a challenge to, 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 to like push themselves to, to not curse or to, to, um, to not be angry to, or to, to do outwardly um, acts of service, be generous, follow the commands harder. They, they use this as a challenge, but, and, and it seems like that's a good thing. It seems like to do those acts, are, that's a great opportunity for people to, to pursue holiness, but really it's prideful. We know the, the word in the scripture tells us consistently that our hearts are bent towards sin. There's nothing good within us. Our, our righteousness is filthy rags. That's what they, the Bible tells us about us. And for us to, to, to then say that, yeah, no, I can, I can attain that. I hear that. Oh, no, I got that. It's, it's crazy for us. But a lot of Christians do that. A lot of Christians, we think about the, the ultimate goal, looking righteous. But there, there's this... There's this um, drug. I, I work in the cancer uh, hospital, and there's this new drug that they have. It's called the CAR-T. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's being marketed as the cure for cancer. But it, by no means, it's, it's a cure for cancer. There's no cure for cancer. I, by the grace of God, there will be a cure for cancer soon, but this is not a cure for cancer. But what it does, it, it's an amazing treatment. What it does, it, it takes you, like, if you have a prognosis of five months, they may extend you from five months to five years. And what it does is it allows you to, you know, hide some of the symptoms of your cancer. And, and, and it allows you to, to feel better. And, and actually, it, it, like, it allows you to, 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 to actually live out your life. And instead of, you know, that five months, you get to plan out your life for the next five years and, 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 and um, actually, you know, live that, that, that time, that time is valuable, but you still have the disease. You still have the disease, and that's how it is with our sin. Our sin, our sin is still within us. As much as the, the, the righteousness, the righteous acts that we do, we still have that sin within us. We still have that sin dwelling within us, and Pastor B said this last week, sin is going to catch up to you. It catches up to you. So, but we, we don't have a care for cancer, but we do have a care for our sin, and that is Jesus. Yeah. That is Jesus Christ. And, and I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy. They said that Christ came to give us freedom. 
They said Christ came to give us freedom. Even the song, Christ came to give us freedom. Now, that, that pressure, that, that, that burden is now off of us. We no longer have it. Have you, have you guys watched, um, uh, there's a movie in the early 90s called Dangerous Minds. There was a famous song that, that they had, living most our lives, living in the gangster. Yo, honestly, yo, when Coolio said, yo, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I swear it was a gospel song. I'm not even, I was a little kid. I was a little kid. I really thought it was a gospel song. But, but, but in the movie, Dangerous Minds, um, it, it's about this, this woman, this teacher who, who um, this that goes into the inner city youth and, uh, and teaches a high school, and, and everybody has given up on them. Uh, it's, it's drug infested, uh, gang infested, very violent, and everybody has given up on these, these, these individuals. But she does this model where she, she gives everybody an A. She gives everybody in the class an A, and the burden is off. The burden is off, and that's what we have in Jesus. Jesus justifies us. And he gives everybody a name. Everybody passes already. When we profess our, our, our life to Jesus Christ, he gives everybody a name. And now we, we have this connectivity to the Lord. This is great news. But he also does something else. When, when, we, when we get saved and when we grow in Jesus Christ, we get sanctified. It's not just, we don't just get justified. If you're saved, you get justified right away, but we get sanctified, and we continue to grow more and more and more and more and more like Christ. And this sanctification process, let's go to Romans, Romans 3. Sorry, Hebrews 10, 14. For by a single offering, each has been perfected. All time, those who being sanctified. Because we have a perfect, righteous God, and because we, we, we want to have this relationship with him, we are being sanctified with him. But the thing is, we don't believe that our relationship with God is going to be the thing that brings us to sanctification. We, we still hold on to our works. We still want, we, we, we don't want to give Jesus our, our, our intentions and then our hearts. We don't want to do that. We, what we do is we, we hold on to it. We hold on to our actions. And it's, we, we, we would give Jesus everything. We, we give Jesus our uh, access uh, opportunity to heal our finances, to heal us with our with our with with our physical ailments, have Jesus um, heal, heal our personal interpersonal relationships. But when it comes to matters of the heart, we do not allow Him. We don't think that it's possible for Him to to sanctify us. We don't think that it's possible for us to for Him to make it better. We we think that we have to make ourselves better. But I tell you. His grace is sufficient, and in his weakness, in our weakness, he is strong. He is made strong. And I don't know what you guys are dealing with today. I don't know 
if there is a specific area in your life that you, you need God to really touch you in, any areas of growth that you've been dealing with, any areas of sin that, that you want God to really observe, I'm, this is a call just to give it to him right now. He, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And if we have faith that he will do it, he will be, it will be done. It is the will of God for us to be sanctified. That's what he says in his world. And what we ask according to his will, it will be done. So let's trust God with these things, these things that these things of our heart, these things of our intention, let's trust God with it and allow him to take care of it. I'm finished. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, O Lord, for being with us. We thank you for uh, just being here and being present today, Lord. We pray, O Lord, that you teach us how. You teach us how to Search our hearts, O oh Lord. God, we can't do it on our own, O oh Lord. Our intentions are on evil continuously. Our intentions are so wicked. Even when we try, we are filthy. Lord, there's a, there's a generation that, that, that seems right. You say in your word, there's a generation that seems right, but their, their stench is still unrighteous, Lord, and that's us, that's our generational, Lord. We think that we're doing right. We think that we can correct ourselves, but it's you, O oh Lord. It's being with you. It's dining with you, O oh Lord. It's relying on your Holy Spirit to heal us that's going to change it, Lord. We pray, O oh Lord, today that if there's any grieving hearts, O oh Lord, if there's any hearts that that are struggling with sin and struggling with, with, with allowing you to, to come into their life, I ask you to be with them, O oh Lord, and open their hearts, O oh Lord. Open their, their eyes to, to your grace, Lord, to your freedom, O oh Lord. They've already passed. We've already passed, Lord. Lord, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient, Lord. I pray over... Just everybody, oh Lord, I pray over this church, oh Lord, that we will grow and that we mature in deeper love with you. I pray this in your name. Amen.